Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of CJ and the Duke. As always, I am your host, Robert the Duke Fedoric. And I am Corey CJ Wesley. This episode is brought to you by DotWalk.io. DotWalk.io are the creators of Bootstrap, which is an AI-powered automated testing engine for ServiceNow. Corey, I love the idea of automated testing, but do you know what's just absolutely heartbreaking and painful about the whole thing on ServiceNow? What's that? Setting it up. I can see that. I can definitely see that. Just imagine taking the weeks or months to build everything you got in ServiceNow into ATF use cases across your entire platform and knowing in that time that your platform has already shifted and you're going to have to go back and change it all. That's a pain in the butt right there. That's for sure. And it's not like you can just hand it off to a testing person. To do ATF on service now, you basically need a full-scale SN dev for the whole thing. However long it's going to take, that's one dev out of commission. So Bootstrap by DotWalk.io uses AI to discover your testable cases on its own. And I've seen it once, and it's basically magic from my perspective. So if you need to scale up your ATF capacity at the speed of just pressing a button, you got to go check out DotWalk.io. Definitely check out .walk.io for all your automatic testing needs. Absolutely. Okay, we have been waiting forever to bring this episode to you. By popular request, this is the episode where we talk about the worst things we've ever seen. Let's edify and educate each other in the realization that things can always be worse. And they frequently have been. (laughs) And will be, yeah. So Corey, lead us off, brother. Oh, man. I'm going to start off with one of my more interesting projects. I was working with a client and I was on a loose team. When I say a loose team, it means I was subbing for a bigger partner and they had a few different resources on this client. And one of those resources was scheduled to do a demo. And on the day of the demo, that resource could not do the demo, right? They called in sick. So the engagement manager uh, rang me up. He said, hey, the client's expecting a demo today. We've already pushed this thing off a couple different times. Wondering if you can jump in and demo the work. I'm like, well, I've never actually used it before. I've never looked at the code. I don't even know what it's supposed to do. But if you can buy me a couple hours, I can jump in there and take a look. But I do want to caution you. It's like typically if someone's calling in sick on the day of the demo, might not be enough code there to demo. God damn, uh, you're so- going to get goosebumps already. I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't tell me what I think is coming next. <laughs> So I get off the phone with the EM and I, I jump into the instance and I take a look around and the code's not there. No, <laughs> no, it's like Star Wars. Oh. Loose, like no. <laughs> yes, this is exactly what I was like. No, he so, did you like that. And to be clear, there's a little bit of code there, but it's not nearly enough to demo. We're not in the place that we need to be. I'd say probably about 25% uh, of, of what's necessary is actually there. And so I get I ring the EM back up. It's like, look, dude, that demo that you guys got scheduled today, that's not going to happen. There's nothing here. And he's like, no, we've pushed this thing like three times. Like, they're going to fire us if we don't get us. Like, look, if you want me to demo this stuff, I got to build it first. So you got to buy me some time. I can pull you out the fire on this one, but I can't do it in an hour. There's nothing there. So he's like, all right, let me see what I can do. He, he reaches out to the client. He gives us a 24-hour reprieve on the demo, mm-hmm. right? Like they're like, absolutely must have this demo tomorrow, same time, or we're fired. 
<laughs> Damn. So you basically like just did weeks worth of development in 24 hours, huh? Dude, I worked about 18 hours on this thing, straight, building up into a solution that I can actually demo to the client. And let me tell you, when I actually did it, they weren't able to tell that it was built within the last 18 hours. Wow. Right. Like they were happy. They were impressed. In fact, six months later, this same client called the EM and said they want me back. Nice. On part two of the project. <laughs> yeah. That's oh, my stomach turns just thinking about it. I hate being in a position where it's just, hey, put your life on hold. Don't talk to your kids. Don't talk to your wife for the next 24 hours and spending all night. It just turns my stomach. But those are the things that put your name on the map. Yeah, absolutely. And I left out the part that my kids school play was the next day. Oh, so the damn. only time I actually took out of building this thing was a couple of hours where I sat in an auditorium and watched my kids Christmas play and then went right back and finished building it. All right, I'm going to take the first big apocalyptic challenge I had in ServiceNow. I had been an architect for a little bit, and this is back in 1912 when everybody was new to ServiceNow. And oh, I, I, I moved Good to a days. new instance, but that instance was already four years old. So we're talking oldest of old instances. And they had this weird way of doing things. It was in the hospitality industry. And so anybody who asks for something is basically like a guest. And you have to give them what they want the way they ask for it because they know better. And it was just this weird cultural thing. So there wasn't any room to say, I know what you need. I'm going to build it this way. If they asked you right. to build it a certain way, that's the way you were going to build it. And when I arrived, they had all these aspirations they wanted to do. But I looked at the instance and it was a train wreck of stuff that couldn't be. And it was just like, again, I'm not laying blame here. Everybody was new. And then you combine that with their build as asked strategy. It would take me a solid week of work to just do something simple, like add a group to the system. Because ACLs were cracked open down to the field level. And every group basically had their own separate rules on every field. Oh, man. Sanity. And so many customizations about roles and inbound actions out the wazoo, all of which conflicted with each other. In a past episode, I actually referenced this. They had an inbound action that was creating incidents that contained the acronym THE. So, like... <laughs> <laughs> And nobody thought this might be strange. And on top of that, they had never really forwarded correctly. So we're talking hundreds of incidents that had never been looked at. Oh, dude, that's crazy. Like on that is On top of the thousands that were just duplicates of legit stuff. And it was... <laughs> I mean, we could do a whole episode on all the stuff that was wrong. But on top of that, the real thing was the instance was only 25% IT. Everything else was custom apps meant to serve this niche in the hospitality industry. And a few stakeholders were very, very satisfied with what they had. They basically got it working just so, like maybe it wasn't working well, but it was working just so. And I'm going around saying, we have to re-architect this thing to get it to work again. I had these non-IT stakeholders were just like, hey, man, go kick rocks. We're fine. <laughs> like, like, we don't care about IT. <laughs> Sleep in the bed you made, you assholes. And it's... <laughs> Uh, but it was such a blessing. It was such a blessing. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. Slay dragons. You want to walk into something like that. Thank the good Lord, because that thing made my name in the industry. Being able to re-architect that. And I learned so much that's got nothing to do with service now, like how to gain allies and how to pitch a project <laughs> and what kind of scale of work is it going to be in project estimation, just skills that I can take anywhere. So I'm super thankful I had that. Dude. T-H-E? Like, I'm still stuck there. 
I read it and I'm like, nah, nah, nah. I'm just going to walk away. I have a coffee. I'm going to come back and I'll just, I'll realize that I read that wrong. <laughs> Seriously, like, come on. Like, come on. Oh. Okay, so here's another thing. I've talked about this in various other channels about when to use inbound actions and what to use them for. That corporate culture basically made company name at servicenow.com the synonym for get help. Not get IT help, get help anything anywhere. And there were people who were saying, this toilet's clogged at this hotel. It's too cold in my office. And it got out too. So it got into like the real world customer base. So there was people saying, I'm bringing my family. I want to book a stay at the hotel for this. And they thought they were getting some kind of VIP concierge treatment, but not. You're just sitting in a generic incident pool that came in via this. So never ever expose your at servicenow.com email address. That alone opened so many avenues of GRC nightmare. Stuff that would put you in legal trouble that would make your entire implementation look like a rounding error. Never, ever, ever expose thing at servicenow.com. Always have some kind of alias. Always, always, always. That's crazy right there. My next one, because it's always a more worse thing, a worser. Yeah. No, we can, you know, worser thing that you've ever seen. Right. So what do you do when you land in a project and you know that the project's going to fail? Right. Well, you like can you see just it coming. You're just not there yet. You can, <laughs> you're right. You can see it coming. Like you are sitting there and you can see the future and this clear as day. So I got, I got dropped into a project and I was supposed to have a, a relatively minor supporting role on this project. There were a couple other, there was an architect on it. There was supposed to be another architect on it. And there were a slew of irregular devs and BAs, right? At least on paper, we had those things. As it turns out, we did not have any of those things. This was one of the bigger partners and they were overbooked. And I mean, it's a good problem to have, right? You've got so much business, you don't have enough people to go around. Well, it's good unless you're the client who gets stiffed on it, right? I'm on this particular client uh, as a phase one. They're a huge client. And they're like, we want all of the phase one bells and whistles. We also want all of the new stuff that HR is rolling out at the time now, right? So we're talking about stuff like HR and service portals, plural. And I don't know, maybe 30 integrations, I think, were in scope as well. And I was just there really to assist on the integration stuff. Turns out, though, halfway through the beginning of requirements gathering, our integrations architect got called up for service, right? He was in reserves Mm. and he got called. So he's out. <laughs> and the architect that was on paper that was supposed to show up, yeah, he never showed up. So guess who gets to be the architect now on a project that's phenomenally understaffed with deliverables that I'm completely and totally unfamiliar with? Mm-hmm. Oh, that would be me. <laughs> you got to be the everybody. <laughs> yes, I got to be the everybody. <laughs> and I'm in these meetings with the clients. And if you've ever been set up to fail before, this is exactly how I felt. I'm in these meetings with the clients and, I'm, and they're asking me a bevy of questions. I'm doing my best based on just my general service now knowledge to answer these things, but I have no idea about their business processes mm-hmm. or anything. I'm not up to speed, right? I, I, I literally got thrown into the deep end and I can't swim. <laughs> and I go to the EM on this thing. I'm like, hey, we don't have enough people. There's no way this thing can work. It's going to fail. And they tell me it has to succeed. Keep going. So is that <laughs> like, not, not like here's more resources. We're going to go talk to the stake. Nothing. Just keep going. Give me some Three pixie dust. <laughs> <laughs> right, here's some pixie dust. You, you got this. 
three weeks in a row, I go in and I talk to three different EMs because they've rotated different EMs off no, of this. Oh, I this hate week. rotating EMs. Don't tell me that. No, la, 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 la. no. <laughs> right? So we're in a situation. I'm, I'm talking to three different EMs and I'm telling them each the same thing. We don't have enough resources. We don't know the scope. Oh. There's no way we can deliver what the, the client scope wants. Oh. We don't even know the scope. Like yeah, it's still under negotiation. <laughs> I just get chalkboard nails. Just like <laughs> RBA. This is RBA's first service now project. Like I'm, when I tell you, I'm in the shit on this one. I'm in the shit on this one. Did you save the no- day though? No, I did not save the day. I got out of there. There was some personal complications that ended up resulting in me leaving this project. So my wife uh, had surgery, had some complications with the surgery, and so I needed time. But the, the project's in the shit, and I'm the only architect. So they were hesitant to give me time. They give me a day. They give me two days. I'm like, literally, my wife is in... Dude, like when I tell you that she went in for something that was supposed to be outpatient and she ended up staying in the hospital for like two weeks. And these guys, they were not at all sympathetic. And so I told them to fuck off. Whoa. <laughs> I mean, I'm already in the shit on the thing, right? Like it's a horrible project already. And then you got the nerve, like I'm going through something personally and you, you're not empathetic at all. Now you can... Can kick rocks. It's crazy. This stuff is never in a vacuum. There's always yeah. life all mixed up in it. And that's part of why I'm so passionate about it. ServiceNow has amplified my life to just volume 11 in good ways, but also in bad ways It made me grow, right? Just, okay, well, I got to learn this skill in an instant. I got to spend an all night right. doing it right? Just to grow and to survive. And anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I thrive on these situations. This is what I do. I'm the fixer. When something's going sideways, I'm the guy you call. And I have this reputation with several people. I've parachuted into forest fires and put them out almost single-handedly. It's what I do. And I enjoy it. I'm not going to lie. But in this particular case, it's like, you got to give me some water to work with. You can't just throw me in the middle of the forest fire and be like, put it out with your bare hands. Like, come on. And that's like, in this day and age, to not think family's prime, what did they think was going to happen? I don't know about you guys. Like, I'm going to be fine. Like, have you seen this ecosystem? I'm going to find you tomorrow. (laughs) Don't you choose between my family and you. Yeah, exactly. And that was the conversation. It was like, are you fucking kidding me? This is not a choice. Find somebody else. I'm out. (laughs) Man, good for you. Good for you. Anyways, for those listening, everybody's got to make their own choices, right? You got to make your own choices of what you're willing to sacrifice. But if you're looking to advance your career in service now, don't necessarily just think about, hey, what other resources can I consume? What exams can I take? Get yourself into harm's way. If somebody asks you, hey, can you do this? Doesn't matter if you can or not. Just say, yes, I'll figure it out. And then figure it out. And you're going to like, figure it out. you'll pull your hair out and you'll be weeping at your keyboard at like one in the morning. But that's what reputations are built off of. Get yourself in harm's way. It's going to be painful Absolutely. right there, but that's how you earn your bones. And once you build a reputation, it's like you were saying about the project you just talked about. It created your reputation. And even now, it's still one of the things that people think about or bring up when they talk to you. Yeah. I mean, it served me for like a decade. Yeah, and I knew what it would take and I just sat down with my wife. I'm like, listen, this is going to be a year of me just completely immersed in this. But I guarantee you, the rest of my career is going to be like cornerstoned off this. And she was like, right. how can I support you? Like, God bless my wife. Right. But Amen. Anyway, the worst thing I've ever seen. Okay. 
I, okay, I was involved in a divestiture. Like a impossibly big company splits off into two impossibly big companies. Okay. Oh. And there's layers and layers of politics. So original company is using the new company to basically get rid of all their dead weight. And like half the project team is weeks away from retirement and just don't care. The other half care, but the leadership is just in flux and everything's changing. And they basically got a year to move everything onto their own services model, on their own tool, et cetera, et cetera. And it's pharmaceutical. So they're in a validated environment, which is like just ridiculous amounts of governance, risk, and compliance work. You have not seen change control until you've seen change control in a pharmaceutical environment. So the problem with this job was... There was a dilemma on who's alpha. If you listen to our last episode, you'll know what we're talking about. If you haven't listened to the last episode, shame on you. Hit pause. Go back and watch that. Exactly. (laughs) The alpha dilemma is that too many cooks in the kitchen, who makes the decisions, who's doing what. And so I had this ultra competitive leadership environment and the management consultants in there were the big four. And I'm going to go ahead and say it. I know the big four is good for a lot of stuff, but in this case, the big four was just, how can we get 300% more hours out of this? That's that's clearly what they were there for. They were the management consultants. And then they brought in a reputable ServiceNow partner to do the ServiceNow work. And then they also hired me and they're like, you're the architect. And I'm like, have you told everybody else that? And they're like, yeah, 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 sure. You're the architect. It's it's on your (laughs) list. And... Like nobody else do that. Yeah. And so basically you're like in a conference room with a reputable service now partner and a big four management consulting. And they're like, okay, well, we're just going to build it like this. I'm like, time out. No, we're not. (laughs) You know, we're going to, we're going to build it like this, or we're going to take another week and think about it. Who are you? What are you talking about? And having those kind of arguments in the meetings, burning hourly rate, like crazy arguing about this crap. And that was difficult. Who is the person calling the shots on how this stuff was getting built. And every day I'd walk in and somebody had built something that hadn't even gone through a design phase, hadn't even gotten architectural checkoff. It was just like, I talked to Dev, what the heck are you doing? Why'd you build that? Well, because somebody asked me to. Did the architect ask you to? (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, but the big four guy and then this guy and then this level of management. I'm like, no, I decide what goes in (laughs) and how it goes in. So every day, was I'd say 80% fire, 20% planning. And there's only so much you can do. And one of the other problems, I was working with this BA and the BA was super passionate about service now. One of those people who had an aha moment, but couldn't let it go and couldn't realize that it's not necessarily all the time what's possible. It's what's prudent right. in the time you have. And so we'd be in meetings and the customer's like, okay, your job is to transcribe what the customer needs, build a process map out of it. But instead, it was more a case that this BA would advertise to the customer all the different possibilities within the platform. And it's that paradox of choice. So the customer's like, oh my God, which one do I choose? I'm like, just no, it's not your job. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And just you tell me what your problem is. I will figure it out. But the BA was just like, oh man, if you just install this module, if you just go to this party on the store and get this app and like, no, the job is not to advertise. The job is to absorb, listen, 
Yeah. Right. So that was one of those instances where there was no clearly defined alpha in terms of what goes into the platform and how. And so too many cooks in the kitchen and we all know how that ends up. So too much stuff rolled out live that was not vetted, a lot of rework and a lot of upset stakeholders because they're getting told three different things from three different parties. Um. So that was the worst thing I've ever seen. Dude, let me tell you. Being in a situation where there is no clear leader, even though you know who should be the leader and the client has an expectation of who should be the leader. However, they're basically being told what they want to hear by other people. And so that just throws the whole thing off. And man, that's just a horrible place to be in because when you're actually trying to maintain these things and keep them on the rails and you got somebody else telling and- the client whatever they want to hear trying to soak them for hours it's just, it's, listen it's dude too like in today's day and age there's this like why can't we all just get along why does there have to be an alpha because it's gotta be an alpha if you don't have an alpha there is no end to the nightmare scenarios you'll have like because we had conflicting stories from architecture the ba said we could do it this way architecture saying no we're not going to do it this way i had a stakeholder take a project member into her office, literally throw a book at him and like the doors closed. And all we hear is her screaming, dropping F-bombs like crazy, screaming, screaming at the top of her lungs because the pressure was so high to perform. And it just, if somebody was just there to decide, interface with the client, this is the thing you're getting. Not you're getting two different options, right? I just remember there was this other thing. There was these two guys. Oh, God bless them. The friction and politics was just driving everybody crazy. It was such a boiler room. Like it just... Yeah. Yep. And I remember this argument broke out between two guys who were immigrants and one of them just leans forward across the conference room table and says, I don't know who you think you are, but I've been in this country for 15 years. And the way we do things in this country is da 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 And the other guy's like, I've been in this country 25 years. You don't tell me what we do in this country. And the rest of us who were born here are like, um... <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> Has anybody oh seen this god. before? <laughs> what? But if you declare this person is the alpha, they make these decisions in these circumstances, that stuff goes away. Because everybody's competing right. to be that guy or gal. So at the start of the project, you say, this person is the architect. They are the ones that interface with the client to say, you will get this in this fashion. That was the worst thing I've ever seen. Dude, that's a great segue to the worst thing I've ever seen. I was on a project and it was a complicated arrangement where there was one client, but there's two separate entities delivering. One entity was doing all of the technical work. The other entity was doing the project management work, right? The decks, the BA stuff, everything that's pretty and that's going to go in front of the executive team. Like that's what this one team is doing. And then the other team is actually building the things out in service now. And like you said, there's the who's alpha thing going on because as a member of the tech team, we don't typically employ another insulating layer of project management from an outside source on our projects. But in this particular project, we had no choice. It was one of those things that was dictated to us. You will work with these people and you guys together will 
create the best possible solution for us. And you have to do it this way because these are things that a legal or whoever requires. So we're like, okay, fine. However, what ended up happening is that on the tech side, we had all of the technical experience. We also had all of the project management delivery experience. These other guys were not quite as good as us. However, they were the typical big four type of presentation, right? And so they had their, their nice, you know, half million dollar decks and they had taken folks out to baseball games and schmoozing, right? And so we're trying to deliver this project and things are just going off the rails because there's a disconnect between what's actually happening on the ground that we're reporting versus what's actually being consumed by the stakeholders. We send up a report and say, hey, there's a problem here. There's a problem there. It gets shined up real nice like the rock, right? It gets shined up real nice. It gets turned sideways <laughs> and you can see where that's going, right? And so by the time it gets to the stakeholders, they have this rosy opinion of how the whole engagement is going and the whole thing's going this way, back and forth, back and forth. And it's this competition ultimately, right? What you said about who's the alpha really resonated when I started to think back about this project. It was really a fight for which one of us is leading this project because we had all of the technical knowledge and all of really the project delivery knowledge. And we felt like these guys were in the way. Uh, these guys felt like we're big four and you guys are, you know, this little boutique firm. So you're in the way. We, we tell you what to do. And we were just bumping heads throughout the entire project. We eventually delivered the thing, but it wasn't without a whole lot of conflict along the way. There were a, a bunch of times where I thought the thing was going to fail. It's a bunch of times where it almost did fail, but a tenacity and the never say no on, on the part of our program manager that got the thing over the finish line. Yeah, sometimes that's what does it, right? Grit. It was grit. Exactly. Yeah. It was grit. This guy had never failed a project and he was like, not today. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you pay a heavy toll for those, but those are the most inspiring stories after the fact. It's like Gandalf on the bridge. You shall not pass. Yes. And get the failure ball rock to fall into the pit. Yes. That's exactly how it was. We're taking it yeah, school. <laughs> yep. And we're all on this thing miserable together, dude. Like we're all freaking miserable together <laughs> when you're on a project like this and then something bad happens to something maybe even of your own creation you go to push an update set and you missed a couple of updates so the feature didn't go over right or, mm. or something like that and now it's just it magnifies it so you were something you thought you could push in 15 minutes now has two hours because you got to find out what you left out on a project like this it just makes that a thousand times worse and so we had our share of those and all the while he's like look we just got to get to the end of this thing Mm -hmm. <laughs> like that whatever it takes we can do this it's not a matter of whether or not it's technically possible it's just politically feasible <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and we got to bust through it so yeah uh, good on you guys failure wasn't an option and you didn't take it yeah it absolutely well assuming there was a happy ending to that story right <laughs> Uh, so there was a happy-ish ending. <laughs> we uh, all kumbaya at the end, and we got a nice uh, cake out of it from ServiceNow, and everybody was happy. But if you ask me would I do it again, like I would not because those guys were fucking assholes. <laughs> not the client. I mean, uh, the project management layer. And look, dude, I've been doing this for almost 10 years, Robert. 
you don't have the technical chops to run a project, don't try to pretend you've got the technical chops to run a project. Mm. Like, don't don't second guess my estimates on integration, especially on fucking integrations. Don't don't second guess my. You know, this is what I do. Like, I integrate ServiceNow stuff for fun. Like, <laughs> like you don't even have to pay me to do this half the time. I'm putting things together, and you've never done it before. And you talk. I talked to my one guy somewhere. He said that you can do it this other way. And you can't. And so now I got to take time out of my day to prove myself to you and prove how you're wrong. And you know, whatever, man, be, I just don't want to do that. Right. Like I just want to deliver the product. Yeah. I hear you, bud. I hear you. And it's the prime risk when you're mixing teams. I love the idea yes. of having an independent architect on a project to make sure you're getting the best of both worlds, the partner's expertise plus an independence expertise. But man, yes. if you don't set the ground rules, on who's alpha, who makes the decisions, that stuff just happens all the time. And if it's not someone that you can respect too, you can't bring in like a top tier tech and then say, hey, you're going to work with this independent architect who's got six months of experience. Like, (laughs) it's like, come on. Was that the worst thing you've ever seen? You know, of the three, that was probably the worst thing I've ever seen. (laughs) Let me tell you what the worst thing I've ever seen. So I got pulled into this architecture gig. They This yep. customer had multiple partners. They understood some partners are good for some things, other partners are good for other things. We don't understand this very well. So let's bring an independent dude in to be the foil for everybody. I landed and they had some aspirational stuff to do and they wanted me to focus on that. But when I landed, they're like, oh, we also get this other thing. It's kind of like, mm, I don't know, we might be going off the rails a bit. Can you just check it out? It's, uh, it's this ITBM deployment. I'm like, sure, I'll check it out. So I called the, the internal project manager for that project. They're like, nope, things are not not going well at all. We've got all these bugs that they're not updating us on. And training is tomorrow. I'm like, training is tomorrow? Like, it's tomorrow. Like, okay, just get me the design documents. Oh, we don't have design documents. What are you talking about? Oh. <laughs> like, how do you know what's in there? Have they built stuff? Oh, yeah. This is the most custom thing they've ever deployed is what they said. I'm like, great. Tell me the stuff oh. that they put in. Oh, we don't have any of that. What are you talking about? And so (laughs) I'm like, can we get on the horn with these people? And of course they're like, you know, they're just raw, raw, chest thumping, like big old silverbacks. Like, this is the most custom thing we've ever made. It's awesome. We're so good. (laughs) (laughs) Pounding their chest. This is so good. This is the most custom thing we've ever put. I'm like, please tell me what you put in. Oh, well, we just put in whatever we were asked for. I'm like, show me the design documents. Well, we didn't do that. We just deployed our kit. And then we, we've we got 100 other stories that we developed. So everything is in there in the stories. I'm like, you want me to go searching for a needle and a stack of needles? Everything's yep. in the stories? And you told me there's 100. There's actually like 150. And I'm going through these things. And it's paragraphs and paragraphs of explanation in the story. I'm like, is this a 150-page encyclopedia that you just put in front of me? And I have to back engineer this myself. Meanwhile, I'm going through the stories somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 a day. Okay, right. like 15 days of reading. <laughs> and they're in training and I'm getting messages back from the stakeholders that the training isn't going well. Nothing is working as expected in the training. And I'm like, okay, well, what's expected? Oh, it's in the stories. And I'm like, I need two weeks to figure out what the stories are. No, 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 no. We go live in two weeks. And it was baffling. So I pulled the vendor onto the form. Tell me what you deployed. Well, the only thing we could really tell you that we deployed is this kit that we put in every customer environment. 
what's in your kit? Well, update set is right here. No, no. Tell me what's in the kit. Well, like what's in the kit is in the update set. Open up the kit, 2,000 items. I'm not going through 2,000 records. Tell me what this is. And was everything asked for? No, not everything was asked for. It's just what we deploy. Like you just deploy stuff without people asking for it. Like, uh, you know, this is freebie. Yeah. <laughs> like 300 things in the ideation module and the customer's not even using it. So when they do decide to go to ideation, now they've got 300 customizations to it that you don't even know about. Give me the documentation for this pack. Oh, we don't document the pack. You put 2,000 things in a person's environment that you don't even document? So I was like, forget it, forget it. So I go to my primary stakeholder. It sucks to hear this, okay? I hate saying this. This thing is going to blow up in your face after it goes live. And within a week, you'll be begging, go back to out of box. You will be begging for it. Let's figure out a plan right now. No, no, no. We have to go live. And it was just like, I can't. Oh, like, I, can't, I literally can't support this. We don't have documentation. The vendor is going to F off the second the project's over. They can see the writing on the wall. You are power screwed. We have to fess up right now. Understand that we don't know what's been deployed. We've got thousands and thousands and thousands of configurations <laughs> that we don't even know about that weren't even asked for. Yeah and, yeah. and this is why I daydream about a big red button on any given module in service now. Just nuke this from orbit and make it the same as it was out of box. <sighs> Yeah, And this is like in all of our other episodes, in all of my other YouTube videos, in my mailing list, whenever you see do the like the whole documentation, it's hard. These are the assholes I got that from because they literally said that. I was like, give me the project documentation right now. And they're like, well, we don't, have, that's not actually part of the scope. I'm like, how is documentation not part of the scope? Well, documentation no. is hard and we don't like... Unless the customer explicitly asked for it, we don't assume that customers need it. And I'm like, five minutes ago, you told me this is the most custom thing you've ever done. Anyways, <laughs> if you're a ServiceNow customer and you are looking to do ITBM, just be aware there is a deadly screw your instance forever partner out there. So just ask, what are your documentation standards? And make double, triple sure that whatever partner you're picking will document everything that they put in. And you'll find out quickly which one is the one I'm talking about. I can't name names, but you will find out. Absolutely. That was the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> when you're in an undocumented situation, uh, you often feel like it's the worst thing you've ever seen. And I hate to go back to the pool analogy, but you're often just in the pool. And now to make matters worse, it's pitch black and you're just feeling around for the edge to get out. And you don't know if you're going deeper. You don't know if you're going back to the shallow end and you don't know if you're getting closer to the edge so that you can get out of the pool or if you're going further into it. And when the lights come on, you just might be in the middle of the ocean somewhere, you know, treading water and hoping that you don't drown. That's how a project without documentation ends up. I feel like you end up in the, in the ocean surrounded by nothing but ocean with no idea how to get out of it. That was the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It sounds like it, man. It sounds like it. On the one hand, it's fun and a gag to talk about the things that horrified our sensibilities. But if you don't have stories like that, if you don't get involved in situations like that, you don't play at the top of the game, right? You have, to, you have to engage in some of those crazy cartoonish 
go grab a beer with all your friends and talk about how insane this is. It, you have to get involved in those situations and you've got to win in order to play these, at the top of the game. Absolutely. These are knowledge war stories right here. If you don't have these things to talk to folks about once you get to Vegas, if you don't have these war stories, then you're not taking enough risk, really. <laughs> okay uh thanks for listening cj and the duke again it's seen by a wide audience of advanced developers and architects if you want your brand in front of our audience check the description below and see for sponsorship opportunities as always i'm your co-host robert the duke fedoric and i am Corey cj wesley we'll see you next time thanks for watching thanks guys goodbye